To sum it up for you, we have 4,000 weeks if we're lucky. And that's if we're lucky, right? We all know that life is very fragile and can be cut short any second. So what are you doing with the time that you have left? Are you curating your inputs? Are you eating the food to support your gut-brain connection? Are you moving in a way to douse yourself in anti-inflammatory short-chain fatty acids? Or are you just passively letting that time go away? And then 4,000 weeks passes by and you look at the end of your life and you're like, oh my God, I didn't take advantage of it. All right, here we are. I am Dr. Amy Shah and this is our first podcast and YouTube episode in podcast form. It's super exciting to be in this position because I think that so many of us talk about health and we're on social media and there's these short little clips and we never really get into it. So today I'm so excited to start with an episode about what I wish I knew about nutrition and health in my 20s and 30s that I know now in my 40s. So this is going to be a really great episode to start with because I'm really just going to tell you some of the things that I wish I knew um, earlier that I've learned through my medical practice, through my nutrition background. First of all, I wanted to give a shout out to Trulene. Trulene is a brand uh, run by my very close friend, mentor, Bedros and Bedros Koulian. And they have a wellness shop that, you know, I am, anyone who knows me, have a Ayurvedic Indian background and I love turmeric and ginger. And the wellness shot is basically all of those things in a really easy packet that you can mix. And it's even fun to do at parties if you're trying to detox or have um, no alcohol drinks. They're really, really amazing. And they're giving everyone who listens to this podcast 50% off their product. Just have to use the code DrShot50. And I'm really grateful to them because they really believed in me and they're excited about the podcast. And I'm sure we'll have other sponsors soon, but really grateful to them. So... I'm Dr. Amy Shaw. For those of you who don't know me, I went to nutrition school before I went to medical school. And after going through medical school and then internal medicine training, and then I, I did the internal medicine training in, at the Harvard Hospitals in Boston, the Beth Israel. And then I went to Columbia for my fellowship in immunology and allergy. And then I came to private practice in medicine, allergy, and immunology. What I realized about two years into my practice was that all of the reason I went into medicine to really learn the nutritional underpinnings of disease, I really wasn't putting into practice. All my interests and my passions weren't really translating into practice. And it's not anyone's fault per se, but medicine, Western medicine as it stands right now, has a very different model. Like if you want to have a successful practice, you have to condense your time with your patient and really concentrate on their major problems of why they're here. And through kind of thinking it through, I thought, okay, the best way for me to talk about these passions and these thoughts and this research that I so love to read about on my free time is through a blog. And so I started that. I started that about 10 years ago. I started writing for a website called mindbodygreen.com, which still exists, which I am so grateful for. Colleen and Jason are my friends now, and they're the creators of Mind Body Green. 
And I got my start just by doing creative writing posts for them. And soon I was able to see that there was an interest. People wanted to know, hey, you have a lens that's really different from the typical person because you have a background in nutrition, in medicine, uh, a very academic background. I did my nutrition degree at Cornell and I did internal medicine at the Harvard hospitals. And then I did my fellowship at Columbia. I had research at both Einstein and at Columbia. And looking at it through the academic medical lens, the nutritional lens, and the background of being my mom and you know um, someone who really believes in Ayurveda in, in some ways, I thought I had a different take. And it's kind of like you'd ask a lawyer their opinion on certain law issues. I felt like a lot of people started asking me my opinion on nutritional and health issues, and I really loved it. I felt like that was my calling, and that was something that I needed to share with the world. And that's why I'm here. I went on social media, um, of course, did it in small bites. And there's lots of things I've learned over the last few years that I would love to share with you. And you know, one of which ended up becoming kind of my special niche area of interest. So I'll talk about that first, and then I'll go through some of the other things that have really, really helped me and transform my health. And that's why I end up being an evangelist for it, because I understand what difference it makes. Now, remember that I'm speaking from, you know, learning this in my 20s and 30s, but really not putting it into place until my late 30s and 40s. It's all the things I would have done way long ago if I had known about it. So I hope you take these tips and take action on them because uh, most of them are very actionable tips. So the first thing I wish I knew much earlier than my 40s is that our mood is connected to our gut. That gut-brain connection is so strong. I had no idea that you could completely transform your motivation, your mood, your cravings, the way you show up in the world by changing your gut health. To me, that's just fascinating. It's something, you know, it's like that old thing that says you are what you eat. But really now what we're learning is you are what your gut bacteria eats and you put out into the world what you put in to your body. So let me explain. The biggest study that changed my mind on this or really opened my eyes about this is that there was a study where they transplanted the gut bacteria from patients who had schizophrenia into mice that were germ-free, meaning they had no gut bacteria. And then they took another set of mice and they transplanted gut bacteria from patients who didn't have schizophrenia. And they mixed up the mice and they were able to see which mice had received the bacteria from the schizophrenic patients just by the way the mice were acting. Just by transplanting the gut bacteria, their entire personality and mental health changed so much so that the researchers could tell when they were blinded which mice had gotten the bacteria from the schizophrenic patients. I mean, that to me was mind-blowing. That means that without changing anything in their brain, all that was done was their gut bacteria changed. They got the gut bacteria from a different person and that was enough to change their entire mental health. When they looked at these mice, when they actually did a biopsy and they looked at these mice, they found brain changes that were consistent with schizophrenia 
in the mice that had received gut bacteria from the patients who had schizophrenia. So then the crazy thing is they repeated this with depression. You can transplant depression through gut bacteria. ADHD, you can transplant through gut bacteria. Autism, anxiety, all of these things that we consider as mental health disease was able to be transplanted through gut bacteria. So what does that mean? Yes, that completely means that the new field of psychiatry is going to have to include a whole world on gut health and these psychobiotics, these bacteria that can change your brain. But it also means that we have the power to change our brains through our gut. So we know that we can modulate our gut through the way we eat and the activities that we do, exercise, sleep, et cetera. So we know we can change our gut bacteria. So that to me really opened my eyes because I thought, okay, why wouldn't we want to eat in a way, exercise in a way, live in a way to improve our gut microbiome so that it can improve our mental health? So not only our mood, our energy levels, but also prevent against depression and anxiety and dementia. So that's something I wish I'd known. So that means that the foods that the gut bacteria loves, you should be eating more of so that they can flourish. And you can't necessarily get the gut bacteria from a super healthy, happy, motivated person, but you can create your own version of that through eating healthy foods, through exercise, through mindset. I'll talk about the specific foods that you may want to include, but I think it's fascinating science and we're just at the very beginning of understanding what the potential of changing the gut microbiome would be for children, for elderly, for people who are trying to get over mental health disease or just trying to improve their lives in general. So long story short, that's something I wish I knew earlier because I was feeding myself junk and hoping that I would be happy and healthy and, you know, at my best and I realize now that it's your diet, not just the diet of food, but really mostly the diet of food, but also diet of what you read and who you spend time with really does determine your gut microbiome, which then determines how you show up in the world. So for example, the gut microbiome love to eat fiber. So vegetables and fruits and things that have a lot of fiber in them. So basically not the junk food, the fried food and the fast food, that the things you get through the fast food places that have very little fiber you want high fiber foods and then you want fermented foods, fermented slash probiotics. So you really want to look for foods with live bacteria. You can look on the package in America. It has to be labeled if it's probiotic. And so you want more probiotics foods because those are actual bacteria that can add to that army of gut microbes that you already have. And then you want to add more protein. So protein is another thing that gut bacteria love. I think for women especially, and for me in particular, I was not eating enough protein. You really want to get to adequate protein levels, especially if you're in your 40s or getting to the perimenopause level, which I'll talk more about. But that is a time where you really want to counteract that muscle loss by eating more protein. So that's one thing I absolutely wish I knew earlier. And you know, now I know it, I really put it into practice. The second thing I wish I knew earlier, kind of piggybacks on that, is that you are who you surround yourself with. So what I didn't know, you know, years ago that I wish I knew is that you can pick the people you let into your mind and um, into your soul. Gut bacteria is more closely related 
to the people you spend time with than your identical twin. Meaning that if you want to be happy, you want to be healthy, you want to be fit, you want to be you know passionate about what you do, spend time with people that have those traits. Because when you do, you pick up some of their gut bacteria and you end up creating that on your own. So you don't even necessarily need to share food, although it would be great to share food and share bacteria with that person. Spending time with people, being close in proximity with people, this will help you build a healthy gut microbiome. And so that old saying of like, the people you spend time with really does shape who you become. And I wish I knew that earlier. I think you know, coming from a South Asian background, I was always told that you have to respect your elders, that you have to respect your family, that you have to be around people that have been in your life, you know, for many years. And I think I didn't realize that at some point you have to curate the people you're spending time with. Don't just be a prisoner to the people that want to be in your life or that find convenience to having you in your life or but aren't really giving you anything. They're like the vacuums rather than the plugs. So your your energy is being sucked away. Instead of the plugs, you know, the people who energize you, the people who recharge you, the batteries, those are the people that you really want to spend more time with, the motivating people, the people who have traits that you want to incorporate in yourself. I wish I knew that sooner. You know, I think that can really be life-changing, not only for your health, but also your happiness and your peace of mind. So that's number two. Number three is very actionable. Number three is get more natural movement. So when I was growing up, I played sports. I was very active. But then when I, when I went to college, I thought of exercise as just kind of um, going to the gym or going to a class. And then again, in med school, you know, exercise was more something I did uh, for to burn calories, to get cardiovascular fitness. What I came to learn over the years is that the best exercise is actually one that is um, outside of the gym. Or it can be in the gym, but it has to be something that's enjoyable. Just walking, getting um, nature time, be, spending time hiking or being uh, doing something you enjoy. Exercise in the best way is a boost for your brain, a boost for your gut, a boost for your energy levels. And you really want to be doing it in a very natural way. We even call it, some people call it NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. It's the things that you do outside of the gym. It's the walking. It's going for a walk with a friend. It's the hike. It's maybe, you know, you just take a call on the phone outdoors. Like these are all ways for you to exercise that don't look like traditional exercise. So I thought in my younger years that you had to go, you know, burn calories, you had to be sweating, you had to be in a gym, you had to have equipment to be considered exercise. And that really stopped me sometimes from doing these mini walks or days like today, for example, when I won't be able to do a formal exercise program, I'm going for a walk with a friend. And to me, the mindset shift of saying, oh, you know what? I don't always have to be in the gym, be pounding the pavement, like sweating bullets to be considered exercise. That put took a big weight off my shoulders and it also made me more active in general. Like now that I have an Apple Watch and I'm counting my steps, you know, parking a little bit farther away from the office counts, going for that walk in between patients and taking the call, that counts. And then, you know, the stroll I took with a friend or going for 
an outdoor walk with someone. These are all things that count in your wellness and exercise. I mean, walking is one of the best ways to lengthen your life and improve so many cardiovascular factors. It's incredible what walking can do for your health. There's a study that shows that walking can actually anti-age you by 16 years. There's a study that says like even just a 10-minute walk after dinner has significant effects to lowering your blood sugars and preventing diabetes. There are studies that show that people that just end up having a lot more neat activity, this non-exercise activity thermogenesis, are overall healthier and stay leaner over the long term. And there's also really good data that walking improves gut health. And so for me now, it's a base of walking, these natural things, going outside, spending time with friends, and then adding three times a week weight training because I'm trying to counteract that muscle loss of perimenopause. And that's been enough for me. So I gave you my top three tips that I wish I knew when I was in my 20s and 30s that I now know in my 40s as a nutritionist and a physician. And I'm really, really excited for you to be here with me on this journey. I am super interested in knowing what topics you want me to talk about in the future, what you think of the podcast, how we can make it better. I think, you know, I've always been a talker. And so I think podcast form is actually better suited for me than TikTok and Instagram, where you have to be like very, very quick and punchy. And, you know, I don't dance. So that's also minus like for me to be on TikTok. So I think this is a forum that I can really connect with you all and get to know you. I'm coming off of this event on Saturday that I had here in Scottsdale that I just felt the energy of everybody around me. And I knew that starting a podcast, even though I'm probably the last one in the world to have a podcast, was the right idea because I think that we are missing that connection, both in person and online, of having real conversations and long conversations. And I hope to bring on more people around the theme of, you know, saving ourselves, learning how to save ourselves. You know, that quote, they say, no one's coming to save you. You have to get up. You got to, you know, dust yourself off. You look around, no one's there coming to save you. You have to learn how to save yourself. And that's really the theme of today and the future episodes. So thanks for being here. I'm Dr. Amy Shah. Until next time.